0: This is Two Nerds in a Joke
1: with Robert and Ernie. Thanks to somebody, Hot Girl Voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am Ernie. And I am Robert. Still in isolation, correct? Still
0: the isolated Robert. Absolutely. Um, completely isolated in my life and so forth and so on.
1: Yes, so, right. yeah. I am isolated as well or... As I like to call it, self-isolation. It's kind of like saying the same thing twice, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, because if you're isolated, you're going to be isolated by yourself. So, yeah, that kind of is a double entendre, double negative, double response, double whatever.
1: Whatever the English word is. I didn't – I wasn't good in English, as you know. I didn't. I assumed you were actually pretty good in English. You're always correcting me, so. I was good – in like um once you, in english 101 where you learn all the rules and stuff that part right. was a struggle for me ah uh, okay when you get to like 102 and 103 where it's like here read this stuff and comprehend what the author means about this that's stuff i did much better in ah uh,
0: okay so, so like you can't the, stuff.
1: yeah but like at the time i was like this is too difficult like the english language has like 20 something letters But there's only 10 actual numbers, right? So I Mm -hmm. did much better in my math classes than I did in my English classes and speech also.
0: Yes. And again, everybody, just so you know, there are only 10 numbers in English.
1: (laughs) Oh, I try so hard to sound smart, don't I? And it never turns out well. Never does. It's good.
0: That was good. I appreciate it. It's yeah, subtle. You know, yeah. you have to really listen there
1: for like, What? What? You did like what? <laughs> rewind. It. But enough about that. That high pollutant learning stuff. Not all of us have the benefit of working at a university. Yeah, yeah. Like some of us, right? Yeah. yeah. quote-unquote higher learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, girl. I, we, we use the word higher in quotation marks. Oh, always. Always. Yeah, yeah. So, uh,. <laughs> With all that's going on, what I've done is I've expanded my my watching habits on the television and the streaming devices. And uh, one of the things that comes up on uh, during the day are just odd programming choices. Like today, one of the uh, networks, uh, I think it was FX, whatever, however many X's it is now. Triple uh, X. Yeah, FX, Triple X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it was showing the movie 300, the Zack Snyder. No you know, uh, mainstay. I
0: like, I actually enjoy 300, and I also enjoy the second one as well. I enjoy both of those movies.
1: Yeah, you know, and and my theory was, like, I I remember doing this a while back, like, coming up with with ideas for sequels for movies that obviously didn't warrant a sequel, like 300 Part 2. And Mm everyone looked at me like, they all died. (laughs) Like, I know, that would make a great sequel. That one or Titanic Part 2. Right. You know? <laughs> they're like, wait, the boat sank. I'm like, I know, but wouldn't that make a great sequel, though? Well, <laughs> well, see, but the thing is, and again,
0: go. I, I always make this argument whenever everyone says what you say, which everybody does. It's like, well, they're all dead. Why is there a sequel? And I'm like, because the sequel, it isn't about the 300. It's about the end of the war. They still have to defeat the Persians. It's not about the three. It never was about the 300. It was about the war itself. There is two parts to that war, and defeating the Persians is like the biggest battle in all of Greek well, mythos early,
1: story, ancient, ancient, ancient times. History. Yeah, yeah. Ancient history times. That, those were huge wars because right. when they went to war back then, it wasn't like a designated army. No, this was like everyone who's a man mm-hmm. like, you know, at a certain age, you're picking up weapons and you're coming with us. Yeah. They, same with the Persians, except the Persians they enslaved whoever they conquered, and they became part of their army.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was that was that was always whatever it said. Well, they're all dead. Why is there a second movie? It's not. And the graphic <laughs> novel that it was yeah. based off of had two parts. I mean, it was.
1: Exactly.
0: So, but besides the point. But that's a good movie. I love the visual effects. Is it oh, like? Yeah. Pure cinema? No. Is it fun and entertaining? Yeah, I think it's fun and entertaining. I'm not gonna kind of lie,
1: like it's the best movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, to some people, they still hold it up. I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of cut their teeth in that movie. You know, Gerard Butler, uh, Michael Fassbender's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it, it's like a whole bunch of actors that are that you that you see now, like doing other types of roles, like dramas and things like that. They they actually made their start like their early career in this movie, and like visually I never saw a movie like that before with the exception of Watchmen. Right.
0: You know but Watchmen was a whole other ball of wax, but it was the same kind of visually out there thing.
1: Yeah. And it and it totally did and, and I think one other movie that came out around the same time which didn't do well at all, which was Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow.
0: Yeah Where, I haven't seen that one yet actually.
1: With I've heard you, good things. Yeah, I mean it's it's a throwaway it's like it's like a comic book coming to life. It's very much like someone looked at Zach, what Zack Snyder was doing with the graphic novels and putting them up on the big screen, mm-hmm. doing doing that with a comic book.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, And vi- visual effects have taken a long road from the basics to where we are now, and there really are two worlds of thought. There's the digital world, and then there's the practical application.
1: Correct. And well, – now- and- well, now, didn't mean to cut you off, but the reason why I wanted to bring up the 300 was mm. that I've probably seen the movie maybe a dozen times. Sure, right? yeah. And I've always said the same thing. All right, you know, decent flick, you know, kind of a interesting way to tell a story, you know, because you're so caught up in the way it looks and, like, the visuals and, and everything else. But this time, I actually watched it, like, with a fresh set of eyes for whatever reason, right, an open mind. And I kind of looked at it. Let me watch this from a purely storytelling point of view, right? Mm. And as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, you know there's a lot of stuff in here that's like really exaggerated like you like you, and then at the end, spoilers, you find out that the guy who's telling the story was the soldier that King Leonidas sent back, and the reason why he sent back was he wanted the other Spartans and other Greeks to hear what they what they did there right Mm -hmm. now everybody knows the backstory behind this whole 300 there were more than 300 soldiers you know fighting off the persians there it just you know it just so and there were other like greek city-states that were also there as well but none of them got the credit because of you know the story about these 300 that gave their lives right to spark Mm -hmm. the other army and i'm thinking of like the narrator is the soldier who's now trying to get his soldiers pumped to go into this battle. So, like, you're thinking of like everything in here is so exaggerated. Like the wolf at the beginning of the story, when he has to like become a man, King Leonidas, mm-hmm. right? Before he becomes king, it's a huge wolf. I mean, mm-hmm. I've never seen a wolf that big before. Then okay. you see the the how he portrays the Persians. They're almost they're almost demigod like right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're like, borderline not even human. And that's the way he's kind of portraying the story, right? And then when he gets down to, like, the actual fighting, like, there's so much blood. There's so much gore. And, you know, how valiant the the Spartans were. And the Spartans didn't really have much. What, they had, like, their own little sword, uh, a spear, and a shield. Mm -hmm. That's all they they needed, right? Mm -hmm. And how, how like, the story portrays the the other armies that kind of tried to support him. Like, they were bumbling or they were cowardly, like, and they also didn't look strong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but, they were weaklings, if you will, physically looking. Yeah.
1: Ex- exactly, but I didn't put two and two together until, like, I finally watched it. I'm like, okay, I see what he's doing. It's a pep talk. He's, like, trying to psych up the team to go into battle. So, of course, he you know, he's making, like, the visuals are, like, what I'm thinking the army imagines in his head, listening to him talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting perspective to take, and it's, it's very true to the story, and it's very cool to kind of see it through those eyes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never thought of it like that before, because I was like, you know, you you see a lot of movies, and a lot of them have narration over them, right? And it's kind of like, all right, I know why you're doing this, so that way you can dumb down the plot, because if you didn't have the narration, nobody will know what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the betrayal, you know, Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff, because you have to have a betrayal in a hero's uh, journey. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I I, and that and that kind of like uh, that kind of changed my view of the movie. Mm. Because a lot of people, you know, when you say 300 to them, they're like, yes, it It was, uh, you know, it was okay. You know, a lot of them focusing on one or two things in the movie, like, you know, I didn't understand why, you know, the, the king of the Persians was like 12 feet tall you know right right and i'm like now it's starting to make sense like he that was the whole point of like the narration he he made it seem like these people weren't even like considered to be like men
0: right there were more than they were gods and this is why we had to take them these evil hordes down and so forth and so on i mean you know like a wall of dead persians there probably wasn't a whole wall of dead persians you know it's like that's that's gotta be an exaggeration
1: yeah I mean, but there were I mean,
0: a lot of them, but let's not be crazy.
1: And, and let's be fair. Like, uh, like nobody went into that movie wanting historical accuracy, which that's one of the things that, that people like to argue with me about on that film. But I'm like, really, a historical accuracy, then you want to watch a documentary. And to be honest with you, when you watch documentaries, it's not really that far off from the movie.
0: No, it really isn't. I mean, the movie exaggerates, again, because, as you said, the perspective of it as your narrator's pep-talking everybody, you know, giving them a speech. But yeah. as to what happened, yeah, they won the battle. They, they lost the battle, but they inspired the rest, and they won the ultimate war by the Navy. Their Navy was actually really good. Yeah. And that's how they won. That's what part two is about, is about their Navy.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: and the fire arrows and the horses on the ships and all that nonsense, again, well over the top. But again, you got to think about a lot of that stuff was accurate. That's how they did their thing. So it was pretty cool. But it, it does it does it does lead us to another topic because we can go back to the visual experience of it and how another series of movies, which is our big talk for today, I believe, if you will. Big
1: talk, yes. We came yeah. prepared. Yeah, we got we
0: got we... visual aids in our heads. Yeah. Um <laughs> one of the things that visually has kept itself very real and true to the fact and has had a lot of um at least according to the roundtable, that we watched recently, which we'll get into what it is in a second. It's a little lead up here, a little, little anticipatory. You're teasing them, aren't you? Uh, teasing a little, just just a little bit. Was that One of the things it said, it said that people complained about it was that it had a lot of digital effects, and when you look behind it, there weren't. It was all a lot of practical effects that were done so well you didn't realize. And you thought, oh, it's all digital. Oh, it's all this. Not so much. It really isn't. And, of course, we're talking, and specifically we're talking, The Phantom Menace in our star wars conversation now why phantom menace well here's why um we are going to today one of the things that ernie has watched that he's going to help start us off with reading a gloriously done i think one of the best (laughs) explanations of a single scene star wars i've ever ever seen or heard um that we're going to connect it from star wars the phantom menace all the way through to the mandalorian and it's such an exceptionally well described piece that i have to believe is not because ernie and i were talking about this earlier it has to be something that he knew that he the person who spoke it, and we'll talk about that in a sec the person who said it really believed it really understood it and came from a place of true knowledge of the craft to be able to work this wording and and what he says about this in this round table so i give you the teaser and Ernie, I'll give you the reveal here of what it is we're exactly talking about and, and give us a little bit of setup before we start the read through of, of this of this speech,
1: if you will. Sure, sure. I think uh, what Disney Plus is doing with The Mandalorian is really good. Uh, I, I tip my hat to the producers John Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and all the rest of them. The directors, Bryce Dallas Howard. You know, Taiki, uh, I f- can't pronounce his last name. Uh, he's the voice of IG-11. Um, he's also one of the directors. Um, Ryan f- Fukujima. F- f- mm-hmm. um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And De- 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 <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry for butchering the name. I really do. Uh, Deborah Chow, I think her name is. She did a couple. She directed uh, one of the episodes as well. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Jon Favreau by getting all the directors to handle certain parts of the of the overall story was ex- was so well done. And the guy behind it all, Dave Filoni, who's you know I I can't I'm kind of jealous I have to say. And he he's he's been in like every
0: major. He, Disney thing in some respect at this point. I mean, he's been in all the big things. I mean, that's not yeah, for
1: ourselves. He, he, was, he was at, you know, he kind of explained it. And now the now Disney Plus has, like, these uh these shows that drop weekly. And um, they basically are roundtables with the directors or special effects people. And this is episode two that dropped a couple of days ago. And I watched it as it dropped because uh, I love the first one. Um, the second one, you know, there was a, a visual effects artist there who worked on The Phantom Menace. And, you know they Favreau leads the round table and let him talk. And he was explaining that a lot of people, when they when you mentioned the prequels, they kind of like say, ah, oh, it was, it was CG overwhelmed. But then when the mm-hmm. questions asked, you know, which of the movies had the most like miniature arts and, you know, miniature work done, it was the Phantom Menace. And they said, and and the guy who worked on it was like, yeah, you know, people will point out and say that scene is definitely CG. He goes, no, that was a really big model that we built outside ILM, you know, and and, he, and you actually see a clip of it, and it's huge. And he's right, like a full size adult was standing next to it, and it was the it was the uh, the stands mm-hmm. that they during the pod race, the pod racers themselves were huge models, right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. time models, and and he. Even the army, the, dro- the, uh, the droid armies, informators, mm-hmm. those were all miniatures. So a lot of craftsmanship, which then swung around to, well, why are people so down on it? Why do people mock the prequels, especially the Phantom Menace? And mind you, facts be told, Phantom Menace broke a lot of records. It was a $2 billion movie. Mm. You know, worldwide, it got two bill.
0: That's, that's insane yeah. well and and dave 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 as we call him davy yeah because um, we, we know him like that we do know him like that i mean he also he also did uh avatar the last airbender
1: the series right he was a storyboard guy that's all mm-hmm. he was he, yeah and, uh he just so happened to end up working for ilm after he did um and they were like yeah we want to approach you for the clone wars he's like didn't we already do this and they and he basically was telling them that he was kind of confused about it and that's when they came up with the cg version of the clone wars Mm -hmm. and he was he was the one that had the vision behind it and he worked directly with george lucas on this and george lucas had to approve it Mm -hmm. right oh yeah yeah and george lucas loved all of all the stuff and then he would come in and he would make suggestions and and then we get to the point where he talks about the phantom menace and he calls the duel the fates and mm-hmm. which, sort of say, is
0: the, which is the music behind it? It's called the Jewel of the Fates.
1: But he explains how that basically sets up all the prequels and all the sequels. And all the sequels. It, it's it's it it was the perfect. I and I hate using the word argument because it really isn't an argument. It was no. a, it was a point that he made, and I believe that he did it unscripted from the heart. Mm-hmm. And God, I wish I had his vision on this because when I watched The Phantom Menace for the first time, I liked it, all right? I was there the day it dropped. In mm-hmm. the movies, I saw it that for, that same day. I, w- I really liked it. A lot of people claim that when they first saw it, hated it. I don't believe it. I believe that mm-hmm. they liked it. What I do believe is that if you hear enough people on the internet saying they hate something and poke fun of it, those people will latch on to that.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely in a heartbeat. People, people are sheep when it comes to that kind of thing, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I believe that – and then he goes on this, this – he, he basically goes off, off script here because everyone's supposed to have equal time on these episodes, and he went off for, I don't know, what would you say, 20 minutes?
0: No, it wasn't that long. It was actually it was seven minutes.
1: Oh, okay, seven minutes.
0: Because he closed it out. So I, 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 I have the video up, and I have it from the time he starts talking about it. It's it's a seven-minute speech. It seems like it's 20, but it's only seven. Oh,
1: because they, they intersplice a lot of video during it. Mm-hmm. He's talking it, and I mean, it just – it's just amazing. It's And the episode is – it's called Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so – he basically explains why it's so important. As, as much as everyone hates it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to start it off, okay? And, and I'm reading from IGN.com. I want to give them credit for, for putting this down. And this is quoted from Dave Filoni. He goes, In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. Maul couldn't be more obviously the villain. He's designed to look evil, and he is evil, and he expresses that from his face all the way out to the type of lightsaber he fights with. What's at stake is really how Anakin is going to turn out, because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi, and you get that in the movie.
0: Now, here's where things get interesting, just as a little background and a little bit of later spoilers. If you haven't seen the last four episodes, um, if you haven't seen the last couple of seasons of The Clone Wars, you need to because it also ties in how he's different. Qui Gon is different not only because of the simple fact, and he gets into this about his loving and, and so forth, but he's also different because he's the, only, he's the first Jedi to figure out the secret of life after death. Because up to this point, even Yoda himself did not know there was a way to keep on living past death. He did not know about the Force Ghost stuff. Qui Gon's the first one to figure that out, and I believe it has solely to do with the fact that he was a truly selfless, non political, true protector of the Jedi. So that's my two cents there. Continue, sir.
1: Okay. Filoni went on to discover the prominent theme of fathers and sons that run throughout the Star Wars saga, pointing out that Qui-Gon Jinn serves as a father figure to Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace because he stands by the fact Jedi are supposed to actually care and love at their core. He's fighting for Anakin, and that's why it's the duel of the fates, Filoni says. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, his life is going to be dramatically different. So Qui-Gon loses, of course, so that the father figure is gone. Because he knew what it meant to take this kid away from his mother when he had an attachment. And he's left with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trains Anakin at first out of a promise he makes to Qui-Gon. Not because he cares about him. He's a brother to Anakin, eventually. But he's not a father figure. That's a failing for Anakin. Anakin. He doesn't have the family that he needs. He loses his mother in the next film. He fails the promise to his mother, quote, I will come back and save you, end quote. So he's left completely vulnerable, and Star Wars is ultimately about family.
0: I mean, we talk about that, and they talk about it in all the movies. So it's not like it's something completely out of the ordinary for it to be about family. It's the Skywalker saga for a reason. It's a generation and generation.
1: Right. So Filoni concluded the in-depth dis- discussion of the scene by highlighting how the Duel of the Fates ultimately reverberates throughout the entire Star Wars saga, right the way through to the final encounter between Luke Skywalker and the Emperor at the end of Episode six, Return of the Jedi. So that moment in the movie that I think a lot of people diminish into just this cool lightsaber fight, is everything that the entire three films of the prequels hangs on, Felloni added. It's that one particular fight. Maul serves his purpose and at that point died before George made me bring him back. <laughs> which but is he, great. But he died. And that's showing you again how the Emperor is completely self-serving. He's just a tool. He's using people and now he's going to use this child. That follows all the way through to the line, which terrified me as a kid, when the Emperor tells Luke, you, like your father, are now mine.
0: Which is a great fear to have. I mean, oh. if you're going to have a fear.
1: Yeah. Knowing that some evil person has your dad like in the in his pocket, it's terrifying, right?
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And it's, it's a
1: crazy thing for him to
0: have kind of gone through with it in that it really ends up looking at how – how he does use everybody and you know, and it's one of those things like, like when you look at the Clone Wars and you look at Anakin's kind of fall from grace like one of the big things that people complained about in some of the Clone Wars was like how did Anakin become such great friends with Palpatine over this movie he doesn't look like he's that great of a friend with him what the heck it doesn't make sense why he would take the, the Palpatine side it doesn't make sense and you go back and you're like look guys did you watch the Clone Wars series palpatine was always there to compliment anakin he and was always there to to praise him yeah yeah he was always on his side only and he never were, and
1: he never hid anything from anakin he never liked anakin
0: yeah and those things when it came down to it when all the jedi kept doing and again obi-wan unfortunately was no better than the rest no you know he was all about the political he was all about the the, the, the Republic. He was all about the order and process of things, and that is again we know from what Qui Gon did that Qui Gon wasn't that way, and and and, and Obi Wan was, and I think that's partially what ended up ruining ruining Anakin in the end was that differential of you know being the political warmonger as as unfortunately the Jedi turned into. Even even good old Yoda was was you know hook line and sinker into the political system
1: yeah
0: and it, it, it's a crazy transition yeah to see you, that kind of
1: happen yeah you know you had yoda who was still like part of the old jedi thought of not having possessions and attachments you had mace windu i guess would be his second in command Mm-hmm. you know and uh you had obi-wan you know a, a new a young master who was probably the best jedi general of them all oh um, yeah he, he took on a lot of powerful foes.
0: Well, and that's the key right there in that sentence. He was a Jedi general. They were generals. They weren't really Jedi. They were keepers they were of soldiers. Peace. Yeah, yeah, they weren't keepers of peace. They were soldiers. I mean, and, and the end, was I don't remember if it was five or six, but the, the episodes where, uh, spoiler alert, Yoda hmm. starts to learn about these powers beyond life powers, I guess you could call them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, of what's next. And he starts to, well, I have no fears yeah but you also have a lot of other things that you need to look at and he started looking at those things and it really made him have to understand that the darkness inside him was there for all Jedi just as it was for him and he had to kind of realize that it was there and accept it you know and not be so ambivalent to it I mean and that's why at the end when he's an old 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 man if you will you know in in the final scenes it's how he talks and if i remember correctly in part of the dialogue of of this round table he talks about how yoda at the end was like you know the training and how the training of the of of luke was just like so different than what you see in the clone wars because he realized it didn't matter because he knew he could live on he mm-hmm. knew he could come back and it wasn't it, the, the 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 fate of the world mattered and the, Fate of the universe mattered but it didn't matter what he did because as long as he was training Luke in the fashion that he felt was right that it would all turn out okay
1: well even then the training that he was doing was more of the the mental way or force ways you mm-hmm. know like you know like like what the other director said in the first episode you know uh when when you when he couldn't get the uh the x wing out of the swamp mm-hmm and uh, you know Yoda does it with no problem, and he, you know Luke turns to him and says, I, "I don't believe," and he goes, "That's why you fail."
0: Yeah, and that's a great line, and and that's what they say in the, in the episodes, That it's a great line, and it is, and it's something that rings true. And it's it's one thing to. Look at Star Wars as just a series of commercial products, and you know, and and the failings and all that. But there are also a lot of really good stories in there that are being told that you just kind of kind of look at and take the stories. So you kind of put it today in this episode, you know, look at it from a fresh perspective, a fresh pair of eyes, and take on a different view of it. And like, you know, I started rewatching Mandalorian after I watched those those legacy thing, uh, the, the roundtables, and it was like, you know, take on a different perspective, a different look at it, and definitely. If you kind of look at it from a uh, position of, like, if you're just coming out of Clone Wars and it's all about Mandalore,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you kind of take that view of it, it's a whole different ball of wax.
1: Let, let me tell you, the – the, like I told – like I like I've repeated it to so many times, I had no interest in, like, paying Disney a monthly fee or yearly fee to, like, watch their stuff until I saw – that trailer for the Mandalorian during a Monday night football game. And I was like, I'm getting it right now. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm signing up for it. I bought a year. I paid for a mm-hmm. year in advance. Yeah. And it's crazy. I have, yeah. And, and the show is so well done. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like the star Wars movies that you're seeing now, the sequels, it has a very unique like feel to it. And it's more, and I find it more The characters more relatable.
0: Yeah, yeah, and in and, in and in the new series, you know, some of the characters, and a lot of it is attention grab. It's, Oh, hey, the classics! Look, the guys are back, and you know, the stories are very similar, and they try to build a new thread. But I think they're they forced it a little too much. It doesn't have as much heart as as it could.
1: Yeah, you but, know, but it's but it, it's gonna be a while because these movies now, the last three that were put out, were clearly designed for the next generation of Star Wars fans because you can't hold up... Like, as much as I would love to see more Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, you know, Han Solo, Lando, the original guys from the original three movies, it's not really going to happen. It's impossible. Right. So, why not... I mean, there's so much of this universe that george lucas created thank you george lucas Mm -hmm. Uh, you know this will be something for like my daughters like Mm -hmm. she's i said it on the last episode that that we had um she called the rise of skywalker the best star wars movie she ever watched
0: right and again, it's a different way of looking at the universe. It's a more intense way. It's a, I don't need to know every detail of every moment. I, I like the action. I like the characters. I like what's happening. And I don't need every detail. I mean, I think there's going to be just kind of like Clone Wars. There's been some series already. Uh, I think one of them is called Resistance. And I think there'll be others that will fill in those gaps of what the heck happened. I think that's something that they'll do if they haven't already started it. You know, that they'll say tell the story in other mediums. Um, I think, you know, there'll be other stuff that comes up in The Mandalorian that we'll start to see at that gap of time after the yeah. Empire falls, They'll set up other things. They have a lot of stuff to tie into. They can tie into, I mean, so much, you know, leading yeah, up to they, the...
1: They brought in Battlestar Galactica actress to, to, you know, be a Mandalorian. And it was yeah. like a perfect fit. She already lent her voice to the character. Why not? Why not? She she yeah. slaps some Mandalorian armor on her, and she looks the part. It's kind of like the, the actress that came from uh, Game of Thrones to become Captain Phasma. Mm-hmm. It was like, why not? Perfect dimensions, right? Slaps some armor on her. She's a cool character.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the stories. Like Phasma, and some of those characters, it's like,
1: they're in one scene, and they were super
0: cool, and then they... The same thing with the Knights of Ren. It was a super cool group, but they were, they were there to just be past season. and... Well, that means you want more. Yeah. Give me- and then may- at some point you'll get the more. It may not be in the same format. It may be an animated series. It might be a novel. It might be you know whatever. They're going to give you it. Don't worry.
1: I'll give them. I'll give them the million dollar idea. Just give it to Dave Filoni and step. Away. <laughs> just step back. Just let him do it all. Yeah. Because no. that guy. That guy. The way he said it. And I don't know. Maybe it was just the tone that he had. He he had that genuine love for it that I could relate to. Like, I really love Star Wars. I love these movies. I love talking about them. I love everything behind them. And I can embrace the mistakes and, like, the stuff that could have been done a little bit differently. Yeah, but could I have told a better story for the prequels? If, if, if Fox, 20th Century Fox, would have come back to me in 1996 and they said, look, we read George's stuff and it's crap. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We're gonna give you a billion dollars. Give us a star. Give us three Star Wars movies. I couldn't have done any better. Mm-mm.
0: No, no. Y- you know it's gonna be. It's gonna be definitely something that's gonna happen in the near future. They've all talked about it. You know it's gonna happen. You know they're gonna do some. Something else is gonna happen. You know it's gonna be more Star Wars. It's not dead. It's just going to, again, be a different form, and maybe at some point, five years down the road, we'll get another trilogy or something. Maybe. I yeah, don't think it's I mean, going to be another 10, see... 15 years, but I think it's going to be another couple of years at least.
1: And I don't want to see any more Star Wars fans coming on and saying, well, the you know, the reason why it's successful now is because Lucas isn't controlling it. I'm like, we need to stop bashing George about this. And he had a vision,
0: you know, and he had a vision, and he had a universe, and he had stories to tell. And he let it – he did it the way it was supposed to. I, it was his vision. Yeah. I, I mean, mean he, and they said that at one point. They said like this is his creative vision. It wasn't how we expected it to be because it's not our vision. It's his yeah. movie. It's his concept. You go out, you make a universe, and you can make it the way you want it. This <laughs> is his vision at the end of the day. It's mean, his story.
1: We've seen over the years since Star Wars first came out in the 70s, how many other franchises have tried to build a universe and – Failed, yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, we're we're talking 1970s, right? Mm -hmm. And my understanding was that he was talking about his little Flash Gordon serial, Star Wars thing when he was filming American Graffiti, his first movie. Which people like, if you ask them, do you like American Graffiti? They love it, and that's the one movie he despises because it, Mm -hmm. it was it was a movie that he directed and had a vision for, and the studio completely recut it and added stuff and took out stuff. So he did not yeah. even consider it like his movie. Hmm. And like the only real movie that was his was the original Star Wars.
0: Which again, I'm not surprised.
1: That was the one that he that basically was all him. Mm-hmm. He did the, he did the directing, he did the writing, he did the he did a lot of the, you know, on-site like camera stuff and everything, and you could see like the pictures of like him like sitting there like setting things up and explaining to people what they need to do, and like he did it on a shoestring budget and look what happened. What forty years later? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm in awe of it. I I, yeah. I have to say like anyone out there who hasn't seen this episode of of the uh, origins is that what it is Disney Origins? Yeah, gotta watch episode two and just listen to Dave talk about it. Thank you, Dave, for putting that out there. Like, finally, someone positive. And there's not a troll out there that can poke holes in that argument. It, mm-hmm. is, it is completely a structured argument. And, man, I have to say, if, if George Lucas, you know, taps his guy to take it going forward, I say we're in good hands.
0: Oh, yeah. And just remember, at the end of the day, at one point in time, some woman somewhere— Thought Palpatine was sexy.
1: God, we're back to this again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, just had to put that out there. Oh. You know? gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but yes, we are very excited for season two. Oh gosh, of I the can't. Mandalorian, which is it is scheduled. It's scheduled oh. for the end of the year at some point.
1: It was supposed to be the summer yeah like yeah, i, I keep remember and we were like five episodes into the mandalorian and i saw on the internet like just announced season two production greenlit we'll start uh, you know principal photography at like the end of the month and then, then i get another email principal photography's like almost done <laughs> I'm like what it's crazy why aren't we dropping this stuff like now drop it all now. but disney wants to do the one time a week thing
0: yeah yeah
1: <sighs>
0: it's it's a great thing but it's it's i'm okay and i'm okay with the one thing a week thing like i'm okay with that you know what i really want more of i'll tell you what i want really, really want more of on on, on disney plus right now um, i can't w- i can't wait for the next season of um what's his name jeff goldblum series
1: i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> the dude is just so bizarre <laughs> he's so I, bizarre i tried to watch it and i'm like gosh you know this would be tolerable if he didn't Talk so much, you know.
0: So freaking weird, dude. He's it, so weird. And That's I what makes it. the the show so yeah. it, uh, it's
1: awesome like, for me. It's you're like, you're spending the you're spending the day with Jeff Goldblum and like seeing the world through his eyes, like what he thinks about ice cream, what he thinks about sneakers, you know that type of thing. And they mm-hmm. throw in a little like educational stuff and things like that. No, sure, sure. But at the end that? of the
0: day, it's really just listening to say weird things.
1: However, I know Mm. that you want to say you're waiting on Jeff Goldblum. I'm going to switch gears on you. One Mm. thing that caught me like right in the feels.
0: Oh, God, what?
1: Is watching The Last Dance. And it's the story of the 1997 Chicago Bulls. And apparently, during that season, which was reportedly like michael's last season the chicago bulls allowed a film crew to follow them around that season well they created like espn went back found all that footage recut it and created a 10-part series and you're talking to michael jordan now Scottie pippen now dennis rodman now all the coaches now after the fact and there's so many episodes and he talks about what he was thinking at this point you know what was it like you know Basically, he, you know, Michael Jordan talked about things and like I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember when all that stuff was going on. Like I remember when Michael Jordan like single-handedly took basketball and made it like into what it is today. And like n- how he kind of changed culture in a way. Like I remember like before him, you wore tennis shoes to go out and play. Mm-hmm after Michael Jordan, people are wearing tennis shoes to, like, formal events.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know, you get dressed up, and you're wearing a pair of Air Jordans. Oh, yeah. And some of the Air Jordans now, when they release them, hundreds or thousands of dollars.
0: This so, is related to the episode with Jeff Goldblum, the
1: sneakers. Exactly. But <laughs> this series, I promise you, if you watch it, and it brings back so many memories of like, you know, oh my gosh, I remember when all that was going on in the world, and there was there was Michael Jordan, like that was the thing. I, maybe some of our listeners don't understand, like it, like growing up, you heard like the stories of Babe Ruth, like the greatest baseball player ever. Well, he was long gone by the time I started watching baseball, right? All these greats were long gone. Mm. You,
0: never,
1: you never got to see like an actual like something great happened like you got to see him as a rookie like as a regular player becoming like the most liked player then like creating a dynasty like essentially like the 90s were all chicago bulls oh yeah
0: that was totally the era for that
1: and and then hearing the stories about when rodman came in and like rodman talking about it like you know the way he played and and all that stuff you were you were kind of like thinking why why are things like that Scottie Pippen arguably being, like, one of the best basketball players in history wasn't even in the top 100 players as far as salary goes. Really? Yeah. He was, like, uh, there were 122 other players making more than Scottie Pippen.
0: I can't, I can't believe that you uh, watch ESPN Live Sports.
1: Well, that was the thing. Like, it was one of those things that come across, like, you know, Last Dance, watch what people have been like talking about and it's so well done they they talk about like michael jordan's upbringing his family you know his competitive nature like how competitive he is and it's so interesting to see him like as a regular person too because it's hard it's hard to like you know when you look at like other greats and other sports like when they talk they don't really like reveal that much right sure sure but, like, this series totally, it is so enjoyable. I highly recommend it. I mean, and, of course, you know, it's interesting to see how the players look now. Like, seeing an older Scottie Pippen, seeing an older Michael Jordan. Like, to me, in my mind, they're always, like, wearing the red uniforms, you know? <laughs> Flying down the court. But they're, like, they're up there in the age. They're, like, in their 60s now. Dennis Rodman himself, you know, he's in his 60s. That's kind of weird. Yeah, right?
0: it's definitely kind of
1: weird you know you get to see all those old players you're like oh my gosh I remember him I remember Steve Kerr on the team well now he's a coach you get to see him as a coach but like back when he was a player and then you see him talking and he talks about the time like him and Michael Jordan got into a fight during practice you know
0: yeah
1: you know it, it's what it's it's probably one of the more interesting docu series I've seen in a while besides all the other stuff that I've been watching which are like I don't know, people are gonna start thinking it's weird. But all the serial killers and the murders and you know those type of things which are on every platform it seems.
0: Oh yeah, totally. Every platform has the, the, the serial killer show or all about the serial yeah, you, know, you go back and the classic, you know, Dexter or anything like that and, and now it's all about the real ones and stuff, it's kinda of crazy. You
1: know, yeah, know,
0: I, I I I can watch those in small doses, like only small doses.
1: Like, you know, tiger king the stair Kings. Oh, i won't uh,
0: do it i won't do it i actually had so i had a meeting at work uh, we're having our 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 quarterly spring fling meeting which are a huge big, big deal and playing jackbox games and all kinds of fun stuff and we were on the meet on this meeting like a precursor okay guys here's what we're doing for tomorrow and here's all the things that are going to happen and they, they were talking about the tiger king and i was like you know what no i i, I refuse i absolutely and someone else is like yeah Me too. I won't I won't watch it just because I just I can't.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there are
0: there are two sides to that fence. You know, there's two sides of that. The ones who've watched it are like, oh, my God, this is so awful. But I can't stop watching it. And those that are like me, who probably would get some sort of twisted enjoyment out of watching it. I'm not going to I'm not going to say lie and say that I wouldn't. But at the same point, I don't want to.
1: Well, no, it's, it's, you know, for people who haven't seen it, it's a murder for hire. That's basically what mm-hmm. happened. And what the documentary goes into, or the docu-series as they're called, uh, goes into is the lives of how these three people that are in this industry, like how their paths cross, how it got to this point. So that, that was the part that interested me was like. Because I, I I like reading about like the true crime stuff, the Ted Bundy, the Making a Murderer, you know, the Innocence Files, you know, things like that. You know, those things kind of interest me. So, those are other other shows that I watch, and I and I occasionally splash in like, you know, conspiracy theory shows. You know, right? Amel- you know, what really happened to Amelia Earhart? Um, you know, the whole Tesla versus Edison thing. Um. You know, what happened to the village, you know, to the uh, settlement of Roanoke, you know, those, mm-hmm. type of, those type of things, you know, just to mix things up.
0: Now, of course, the other thing that's going on, that's a completely different direction, is the new season, well, not new season, but the new newer season-ish of uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah,
1: yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched Rick and Morty since the last season, since the last season ended. I was Season, season
0: 3 or Season 4?
1: What's the newest season?
0: Season 4 is what they have out now, at least. It looks like it was the recent, most recent episode is... Um, episode 7 was uh, May 10th.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any from this season. I remember um, how the last season ended.
0: Yeah, there's two seasons. It's season, episode 8 is upcoming on the 11th. Or, sorry on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday. And then there's one on the 24th. So we're on season seven of the new season.
1: Yeah. I'm I actually, I don't know. I'll probably, I'll probably wait for it all to, to, to drop and then watch them in succession. I won't binge them because mm. as, as much as I like it, I probably, my fandom died down after season one, when it became so mainstream and I started seeing like pickle Rick toys everywhere. And I'm like, does anyone, like, not understand the whole meaning behind the show? Like, wh- we don't want the show to become popular. Like, we just want it to be enjoyable and different. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, we'll, we'll have to see how how, how fanboy-based they, they went this, this latest season. But it's interesting. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, but it's something I just was thinking about. Because I, I remember watching The Pickle Rick and, and all the episodes uh, with my son. And I didn't want to watch it. My son made me watch it. And it's this is some some nest up stuff
1: and but yeah. Well yeah, that first season, completely yeah. groundbreaking. Oh yeah. And then completely. the second season second season kind of like, All right, we pushed some boundaries, we're gonna push some more in this season. <laughs> and and, I, and there were some episodes I was like, Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot believe they just did that.
0: Yeah. No, it's and it's, again it's not vulgar, it's not crude, it's just weird. Yeah. And, very strange definitely, definitely falls into the very strange um but we had yeah, covered
1: yeah we've covered a lot we've covered, we've covered a lot <laughs> I, I i still i'm tempted to watch the dave filoni speech myself i'll go on youtube and watch it i'll give it a thumbs up i'll retweet it so that way it'll stay trending forever because I, I honestly believe that it's okay to like something that not everyone else can appreciate
0: yeah. And I think one of the things we talk about, too, with it, and I think I think it's, it's as I said in the episode, I think that's where we stop. Yeah, this is I think we covered it all. I think that's a great way to end it. I think the best thing to think about in a story arc in general, but especially the Star Wars one, is you're going to have your lovers, you're going to have your haters. But if you can make an argument as to where the deeper meaning behind the story lies and you can convey that to others. And you can take someone who's a a fence sitter and make them a fan or at least be able to appreciate. I think that's a that's a good move. I think that's the thing that everybody wants. You don't need to be obsessed with it. You don't need to love it madly and have every piece. But if you can at least go away from it and appreciate it for what it is, Mm -hmm. appreciate the stories, appreciate the, the connection you can have with the characters. And that's what any director or actor or, or anyone in the business connect, can hope for. Is if you can do that, then they feel like that they've done their job.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
0: on, on that glorious note, of course, um, I wanted to say to everybody, please make sure you're following us, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are posting occasionally episodes, uh, our, our audio podcast audio episodes onto YouTube just so you can – Watch it on YouTube if you are a fan of the podcast the audio format and you want to watch on YouTube for whatever reason. Um, but definitely make sure you're following us there. Make sure that you're liking and subscribing to us here. Follow us. And, of course, uh, email us if you have suggestions for what you would like to hear us talking about or do next. We do have a, a couple of guests coming up in the next couple of episodes.
1: I'm excited about those guests. They're going to yeah. be great.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun, Um, and we are going to have more episodes with the Doctor coming up soon in the near future.
1: Uh The Doctor, yes.
0: Yes, the Good Doctor. We have more stuff with him, so don't forget to keep posted here as we post new content. Uh, You'll see those coming our way. And, of course, like any good story that needs a solid ending and a really good catchphrase, Ernie, if you would. Peace out. Peace out, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time.
1: And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.